0: Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter.
1: And I'm Jenny. And I totally didn't just almost pass out while we were doing our room tone.
0: <laughs> were you holding your breath?
1: No, I I'm very tired. Okay. And it was very quiet and calming and and uh And I'm, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, we're all kind of tired, which is why Uh we're doing a bonus episode this evening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm on about five hours of sleep. I think you're on even less. And Jenny, you're tired from other stuff?
1: I moved, I physically, with my own hands and arms and legs, moved every single nonfiction book in my library today.
0: And you're not the biggest person.
1: I'm not. I'm really not. (laughs) So yeah, that was uh, two hours of my work day today.
2: Yeah, for those who and have never met her, Jenny is a little tiny person.
1: <laughs> I am 52 five five yeah. ish. I-, I couldn't reach the top shelves. I had to get a chair, and now I don't have to reach the top shelves anymore because that was part of my uh, my thing.
2: God, uh, it gotcha. was
1: moving the vast majority of the books off of top shelves because nobody reaches up for the top shelves anyway. The top shelf and the bottom shelf are are like dead zones. Nothing moves from there ever. So uh,
0: Yeah, I'm of the opinion that libraries really ought to just dedicate the bottom shelf to, like, eight and under.
1: Even the eight and unders don't – because they want to be tall and they want to reach up.
0: Uh, See, that's interesting because my kids love crawling around looking at all the books on the bottom.
1: Oh, okay. The only people who reach for the bottom books in my library are literal infants who shouldn't be taking the books out of the (laughs) adult section and drooling all over them and running around with them anyway. But they do.
0: (laughs) If you can't sign your library card – (laughs)
1: we actually don't have library cards oh interesting yeah we just have accounts Uh, it makes a lot of things easier because then we don't like people were forgetting their library cards all the time and at a certain point the old librarian was just like enough we can just look them up by last name anyway everybody knows everybody in this teeny tiny town if I really really feel like it I could ID somebody I guess but like Mm -hmm. Why? (laughs) Yeah, we
0: have library cards, and I think they are helpful for the size of our community.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I could not pull this off in, like, Ottawa or something. Like, I mentioned this at a meeting in Ottawa, and there were literal gasps in the room. They were like, But how do you make sure that the person's taking it out for, like, that the person is who they say they are? I'm like, It's a town of 1,000 people.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And we have photo IDs. It's. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The the big thing, honestly- Reginald Johnson is not a different person than he was last week, and I've known him since I was nine. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I recently, within the past year, got my six-year-old library card. Mm. She was delighted to have
1: it. Oh, yeah. Having fun isn't hard when you've got a library
0: Well, and the cool thing is, printing technology has gotten, you know, obviously much, much better- Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went to the library with her because I haven't had a library card for a long time because for quite some time I had a real problem not returning books, but got her one. I was like, oh, cool. We'll get a library card. And then, you know, the lady behind the counter whips out these two sheets of library card designs.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It was
0: really
2: cool. And it was just like, uh, okay, kiddo, you get to pick. <laughs> Yeah, my wife went through that recently. She went and got herself a a new library card here in town. We'd both let them lapse. I mean, for the longest time, I worked for a bookstore. So it was like Mm. I could check something out or I could just purchase it at a 30 percent employee discount. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, She went and did that. And I guess they're doing the whole like different designs thing here, too. As far as I
1: know, uh, the library in town that does still do library cards is still Using the their old laminator that takes a solid couple, you, you know, a fair while to heat up and then actually, you know, laminate the oh, piece of paper that yeah. you sign. Oh, yeah. So all of the kids' cards are yellow and all the adults' cards are blue. And that's how it is. And, and that's, that's probably how, it how it it's going to stay for a long time.
0: And that's fair. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, my six-year-old has a Rainbow Mermaid library card. So- oh,
1: I wish I had a Rainbow Mermaid library card. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everyone so
0: cool. really? I don't believe I'm legally allowed to get you one.
1: No, that, that wouldn't be. I mean, I don't think there's a law against it.
0: You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there is, given the weirdness of international law and all that. But No,
1: but like, here's the thing. So many libraries these days, let's not get into library law stuff here. We're okay, here to do yeah, an, fair, a, fair. A, Bonus episode.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna get into a long, rambling tangential <laughs> conversation, we're not gonna have a better opportunity. That's true, no, that's but let's try true. and have a
0: tangential conversation about things people are presumably tuning into the podcast to hear.
2: Yeah. Oh, I suppose <laughs> we can
0: stoop to that. I guess. All right. So um we're doing just kind of a, a bonus episode of small topics and things we feel like talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. Tonight. I say tonight because, because we're recording, you know, at our usual yeah. Thursday time. I'm going to keep saying tonight because I'm too brain dead to think people might be listening this at, to this at some other point in time. Imagine. Mm-hmm. Good work, Grant.
2: So that's where I am right now. <laughs> well, yeah. we, we often say tonight because we record at night, you know. It's- exactly. Let's kind of catch people up on our
0: gaming situation. I think we covered this mm-hmm. a bit last episode.
1: But specifically the Overlight stuff, I think we covered. We did most talk part. mostly about Overlight. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I think it was a very good discussion.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: It was interesting. One of our listeners actually had very similar issues with the Overlight Dice system and apparently mm-hmm. rewrote the system.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. So if you, if you check our Twitter feed, that's in there. because mm-hmm. I made sure to retweet that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – it, rewriting systems. I swear that's his thing. You know, we, every time we I might tweet as something well up, credit
2: him, this is this is Doug.
0: Yeah. Uh, but every time I'm like, hey, I do the thing. he's like, oh, you know, I, I've got some alternate rules for that. I'm like, do you do things
2: with your day? Like, I know you're a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I know he, you he does have a lots lot of to things do. with his day. <laughs> I think maybe doing the rule stuff is how he keeps sane from the other things that happen in his day. Yeah. That's fair. I, I I get that impression from yeah. following him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Our gaming situation has
0: kind of changed rather drastically over the past month or two, I'd say. Um, I have decided that the colony game I've been running uh, just wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, and I hit kind of some mental roadblocks and plot roadblocks and momentum roadblocks momentum roadblocks and we had two new people join which i think scared me to a certain degree Mm -hmm. and like i just kind of was like how am i gonna i'm gonna do this and i i kind of mentally collapsed the game around me and couldn't handle it which is well and we also had
2: literally almost a two-month stretch where we only gamed i think once in that entire period because of horrible life stuff like, I literally was talking about making a table to figure out who the adulting beast had dragged off and was savagely mauling this week. Yeah, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. It got all of us. Some of us more than others, but it got yep. all of us.
0: It did. Mm-hmm. So, what I am gearing up for is running an Eberron game, and this is going to be a little bit different from your classic d and A, because it's Eberron and Eberron is, but what if D&D was not the, what you expected while staying D&D. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool, fine. Um, I do like the setting, obviously. Mm-hmm.
2: But... Yeah, I won that contest for a reason. Yeah, there's one particular kind of
0: sub-setting, if you will, in Eberron, which is uh, Sharn, City of Towers, which is basically uh, fantasy Manhattan, <laughs> if we're being honest. It's a giant city of magical towers and... Uh, You know, hundreds of thousands of people and all sorts of craziness and politics and crime and mysteries. And that's kind of the game that I'm running. It's kind of a Sharn PI style game where player characters are detectives for hire dealing with whatever issues people come to them with and say, please help me with this. I'll pay you, you know, 200 a day plus expenses. There's a little Rockford files for everyone. (laughs) I guess maybe I should give a shout out to that actually. Epidio Ravichol, uh, who's known for Dread and Swords Without Master and a bunch of other very good games, I believe it's him, does a podcast entirely on the Rockford Files. Hmm. I haven't listened to it, but if anybody was like, oh yeah, Rockford Files, you should probably look that up because this is a very smart guy. Anyway, so that's kind of in the works and we're going to be talking more about that. So we're going to come back around to that. But meanwhile, Peter, your game is continuing. Yep. Which is awesome.
2: Yeah, we've we've taken a little bit of a break so um, Jenny can do her overlight stuff. We actually, mm-hmm. I I have had the opulent luxury of having the break happen at an organic point in the story. So yeah. I don't have to like do any kind of craziness or anything. As we just kind of ended an arc and I've got time to plan the next one. Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
1: and uh yeah, I was given sort of, I guess, an opportunity. There was a Saturday where we weren't really able to game, and I was having some issues with the module. I felt like I'd skipped a page or something, like I was missing something key. So um gearing up to play probably the last... I-, I would be shocked if you guys did not finish Overlight in the next session. I mean, it- have you
0: met past. us? Well, no, I...
1: <laughs> oh, th- exactly. That's why I have.
0: Yeah, Pardon? this is this is not the slowest group I've ever played with by any stretch.
1: Oh yeah, yeah no, I've played in groups where we sit around the table for like 15 minutes in silence and then somebody says something. Oh yeah. And and it's Oh, that's definitely it, not us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not that's not you guys and you guys actually like talking to people and you know picking up on plot hooks and stuff like that and but that's very nice why i
2: said what i did is we have a tendency to kind of get absorbed into the actual role-playing part of things sometimes True. and what would be a very short segment of a plot or encounter for a much more like task focused group is going to be like no 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 this this npc is interesting let's Let's stick around and talk to this person for a while.
1: But see, that's uh, spoilers. That's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I hate to, you know, burst your bubble about like, oh, we're going to mess up Chinese game. No, you're not, because this group does what the game wants, already wants players to do. (laughs) Well, then it's a great fit. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. That's that's why I was so excited to run it, because I think it's yep. a really good fit for the group. We nailed it then. You did. Huzzah.
2: Without even trying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> we also...
0: Okay, so I've talked before about this, uh, this mage game that was mm-hmm. massive and very long. That game was almost founded on the principle of, eh, let's just stretch things out for a few more years. What can it hurt? Um... <laughs> The follow-up vampire game, by the way, is still going on like six or eight years later.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Six years later. My wife was pregnant with our oldest child (laughs) while that game was going. Um, Cool. Yeah. (laughs) I remember spending two hours at the gaming table with the entire party arguing about whether or not we should go through a door. Oh,
2: was that the time when Chrissy finally just opened the door or was that a yes, different yes, incident? Yes, that was,
0: that was that time.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and then of course, the bad thing everybody was afraid of did definitely happen, but at least it finally happened. <laughs> but we don't really have that same kind of, uh, I don't want to kind of thing going on in our group. It's more of a, let's all try and Do things, you know, and and role play and and do them our own way. And kind of, we might stumble on each other occasionally, but it's always stumbling forward. So that's good.
2: Yeah. There's definitely a little bit of a, at least with me, and I think to a lesser extent, one or two of the other players, there's definitely an element of, but why do we want to, you know, (laughs) let's explore that. Yeah. We do
0: occasionally get trapped in that, but that's okay.
2: Yeah. It tends to make good discussion for this podcast, if nothing else. Yeah.
0: Let's talk real quick. I kind of, I think we can probably make this whole character creation concept and, to a certain degree, some of the, the prep that I've done around it, uh, I think that we can kind of make that our primary topic. So let's talk real
2: quick about streaming changes. Sure. Okay. So I am still doing that Pathfinder Kingmaker stream. The individual episodes might get a little bit shorter on occasion. I'm still going to try and do it for a while, but we are trying to for lack of a better term, optimize our streaming a little bit more to where we're getting actual eyeballs on stuff. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. there may be a few things that we've done before in the past that are going to go by the wayside because people just don't seem all that interested, and it's kind of silly to just kind of stream into the void, as it were. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know that it's really going to affect anything all that dramatically, but I figured it was worth throwing in the outline and mentioning. No, I, th- I think that's a, a yeah. good idea. And this gets into
0: um, some stuff that I've been dealing with at work around objectives and key results and trying to f- focus on – you know, what are we doing to actually grow the podcast and all that? I am probably going to put out a blog post probably around the start of the new year when we really kick off that project
2: internally. Yeah, you really ought to. It's, it's interesting <laughs> stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. And
0: I will probably be updating stuff on Patreon and on our blog as well, just kind of to keep people posted. But I actually think writing it up would be pretty interesting. So
1: yeah, I did order that book, by the way. Good.
0: Yeah. For the library?
1: Yeah. Yeah. For the library.
0: Yeah. Uh, I. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and talk about it here. Uh, Work is implementing a objectives and key results system, which is kind of a management and task focusing. It's it's long. It's complicated enough that I don't want to get into it on the mics, but it's a really good and very simple system. So if anybody is curious about this, pick up Measure What Matters by John Doerr, D-O-E-R-R. It is probably the best business book I've ever read, as in it's actually an interesting and engaging read and doesn't repeat itself which is high praise for any business book (laughs) because I've read read a bunch of those. And a lot of times, not all, not all, just to be clear, but a lot of times it's, you know, I had a chapter of content and it was a good chapter, but that's not a full book. So I'm going to repeat myself a few times and get uh, some examples that repeat the same things and uh, just kind of do a little back padding and hope that pads it out. This book does not do that in part because this system has been successful, successful enough and used by Incredibly smart people like the triumvirate at the top of Intel and Google basically was given this system uh, when John Doerr went there to uh, deliver venture capital funding he said this funding comes with a caveat you have to use this system in order to get the funding and uh, Google seems to have been doing okay.
2: So. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not exactly you know what you'd call a uh, struggling or failed company by any right. stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And what I do
0: like is that this book includes examples of, hey, this is how we implemented this wrong, and these are the problems we saw, which is a rare case a lot that, of times.
2: That's the kind of examples you really want in right. a book it's, like that. Yeah. Here's
0: a trap we ran into, learn from our mistakes, right? And yeah. what's cool is it's written by a bunch of other people. Uh, like CEOs and various different uh, CXO positions, like chief whatever officer kind of positions, real data from other companies of all sorts of different sizes. So mm-hmm. it really does work pretty well. Anyway, it's cool. And I'm going to be writing some some blog post stuff on that toward the start of the year when we pick our objectives and key results and get going. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's talk about Eberron and character creation and Eberron facts and all sorts of things. Okay. Yeah. Can
1: we start with Eberron facts because yeah, I've been sure. I've been enjoying your Eberron facts.
0: You know what? Actually, I think this is a good place to start because somewhat by accident, and I want to say somebody suggested I do this, or maybe we just started as a little gag, and I
2: I don't even remember how it started.
1: It it, 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 was it started a gag? as a
2: joke, and then I said I really wish you would do this for real, or maybe Chrissy did, and I said that I yeah. would want this even if we weren't going to be running a game in Eberron, and you started doing it after that. Okay, fair. Yeah. One of the
0: problems that I have with Eberron, and this is true of every large published setting out there, is setting crunch. There is a ton of setting information that players have to learn before they start a game in order to really be, quote unquote, playing it correctly. Eberron has its own tone, and there's a ton of knowledge you have to know about the setting in order to be a believable character in the setting.
2: Yeah, and That's notably, true. Shadowrun? It, you cannot lean on like traditional fantasy tropes. Yeah. Hardly at all, in Eberron—it's no, very, in very different.
0: You have to lean on noir and pulp, really, and then imagine how that translates to D and D, and then imagine the specific details that it comes up with. It's not generic, which is yeah. what you would expect. Yeah. It is a specific setting.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's quasi modern, and it's it, there's just uh, there's all kinds of stuff in there that if you've never looked at Eberron. First of all, do yourself a favor and look at Eberron. It's a neat setting. <laughs> yeah, oh
0: yeah. I'll say I'll say this for anybody who's playing D and D fifth edition: the Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron just came out on the DM's Guild and is pretty cheap. And it's a good, comprehensive summary of everything you need to play in Eberron. Also, you can pick up like the third edition and fourth edition books pretty cheap at this point. So,
2: yep, and that's gonna come into play later in this discussion because. Some of the stuff around my character came from reading the original setting book from 3rd edition. Oh, me
0: too. I've got a stack of them within arm's reach right now.
2: But anyway, (laughs) there's this big setting crunch problem.
0: And again, it's not unique to Eberron. Shadowrun has the same problem. Legend of the Five Rings has
2: the same problem. Probably to a greater extent than almost any other setting Uh, on Earth, actually. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even vampire and werewolf have so
0: much setting terminology to use, right? Think about all the different things White Wolf renames.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean even something just as simple as the process of becoming a vampire is called being embraced. Right. You know, that's that's not something that's massively obvious to somebody who's never played vampire. So many nonsense nouns and capitalized
0: verbs that you have to know the context for and secret meanings of. Yeah, it's a pain.
2: Yeah. Every
0: major setting has this. Eberron has more of it, but it's not unique. And the setting info dump is a real pain. Like yeah, you have to do it to a certain degree because people need to read through it and pick out what they like to get started. Yeah. But there's all the little living in the setting kind of stuff that's a real pain. So what I have been doing... Is through Twitter DMs, sharing with our whole group, because I didn't want to spam this on my Twitter feed, like my public one. So this is just kind of going to the group.
2: Some of it also, there's some character limitation issues there too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm. Then there's also um, me working out what is going on in our game versus what's in published canon and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Standard GM stuff. And I'm just kind of using a a made-up hashtag of Eberron facts and putting out some little factoid the end result of this has actually been kind of positive because it's all of the little bits of information people need to know about the setting or and not even need to know. A lot of it is um just, kind just of cool random, to know. Yeah, just random yeah. factoids. Like none of the, half of the stuff I'm tweeting is not about Sharn.
2: Yeah, that huge canyon isn't anywhere near us, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm really just
0: throwing out there to kind of give people a taste of the setting. I'm,
2: I'm going through
0: my uh, my Twitter facts, my Twitter facts, my Twitter feed right now looking <laughs> for, for these. Like the one of the recent ones I did was on um, code of laws, right? And how the code of law in the, the area you guys are in treats magic. It's like, okay, well, spells that inflict harm are armed assault, and that includes anything that permanently incapacitates, like petrification. Fire magic is especially harsh due to the risk of spreading damage, which ties in with one of the characters that we have, who's a fire sorcerer. So Mm -hmm. it is relevant. Conjure up a creature, you're responsible for its actions. Uh, If you temporarily incapacitate someone, like with a sleep spell or something, that's simple assault. Weirdly, spells that tamper with other people's thoughts are a form of fraud. All right. Cool. That's weird. That's an odd thing. And then there's some obscure stuff like one particular organization, the Dragon Mark house that handles inns and hospitality and that sort of thing. They have the sole right to cast heroes feats or liam secure shelter within city limits because those give you shelter and food. And that's their responsibility. And they have a, a legal monopoly on that. So, all right, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, Spells to open locks can only be used by or on behalf of the legal owner of the locked item, so on and so forth. And this is stuff that is kind of common sense, but it's kind of useful to think about. And it's it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, there are laws about magic because this is a developed setting. Cool.
1: Yeah. And that's especially useful to my character as right. I'm sure we're gonna get into eventually. Yeah. And then,
0: you know, I've got a we were talking about a, a canyon one. Up here in this particular region, such and such is the largest and deepest natural canyon on the continent. Deep enough to go into the underdark, which has its own name in Everon and isn't, you know, the drow infested underdark that we all know and love. It's it's its own thing. But yeah, it's basically the underdark. Yeah. And then, you know, my wife was like, I appreciate that you specified this is the only naturally occurring pit to hell. I'm like, well, by comparison, (laughs) there's an entirely unnatural one over here. Uh, It glows and mutates things. Again, cool stuff about the setting. And I feel like dribbling out these bits has helped,
2: or at least I hope it has. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If nothing else, it's creating additional investment and it's also... Taking what, you know, as you've said, is really kind of a daunting setting and yeah. making it so much less daunting. Yeah, because yeah.
1: Like, it's it's a lot more fun to be like quick little Eberron fact and, you know, a quick few sentences rather than dragging yourself through a whole book to find one snippet of information that might be interesting.
0: Right. I didn't want it to be irrelevant and uninteresting right you're not gonna yeah. have me sitting here going the notable festivals celebrated in sharn are sun's blessing on 15 therendor orion's crown on 26 Dravago, bright blade on 12 nym so on and so forth right like nobody cares yeah but if i tweet out one of those mm-hmm. and it's like hey let me tell you about this one thing this one festival it's kind of weird and uh It's kind of awesome. And like the past couple of years, it's gotten weirder, hasn't it? All right. Well, now we're interested. Yeah. Yeah. Doing it that way, I feel like lightly sketches in more of the setting rather than trying to do all the details all at once. Just like it's kind of impressionistic in a way.
1: Yeah, very much.
0: I think it works. So mm-hmm. I guess there's some advice for people try, trying to sell people on a setting. Dribble out information. Hook them.
2: Yeah, if you're doing that, especially with like one of the settings that we mentioned earlier that has just a lot of information that needs to be mm-hmm. absorbed, you know, your L5Rs and your Shadow Runs. Yeah. So it's a great way of getting that done. It, it works really well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I actually kind of want to credit Shadowrun for giving me the idea of this because there's yeah. um a really... Notable third edition Shadowrun splat book called Dunkelzon's Will. Yes. Okay. Jenny, you know this one?
1: I am aware of it. Okay. I have not read it myself, but I have been, I have heard the title so often, I feel like I know it personally. Okay.
0: So th- <laughs> the cool thing is Dunkelzon is this um, very well known dragon super NPC in the Shadowrun setting who I think basically at the start of third edition gets elected president and then gets murdered in the same night because Shadowrun. Yeah. Big setting shaking thing, yada, yada, yada. But one of the things that they produced was Dunkelzahn's will, which is literally the last will and testament of this ancient dragon who's kind of a a wise character, has a lot of ties back to like Earthdawn, all the secret stuff happening in the setting, and has an enormous amount of money and sets up a foundation to distribute money and other personal items and other things according to his will. Which translates into, this isn't an entire book of plot hooks. But because they come out in little hints, like, to so-and-so, I give this particular token, which, you know, has a personal significance and may be a key to eternal life. To <laughs> Anybody who can deliver information about the whereabouts of this particular person who disappeared on January 31st, 2035, I give a uh, sum of 30 million new yen to be distributed by the foundation that is handling my will after my death. Basically, hey, if you want to go on a shadow run, you know, get your hacker to go dig up information and go on a shadow run to figure out. Where this person is and get yourself an enormous amount of money, here's a hook. And the GM just sets this up. So it's a giant book of hooks, but because they're all little hints and they're all very random and scattered, you got of get this overall wash of crazy stuff is happening everywhere. And this is what the setting is like. Yeah. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what I what this whole Eberron Facts thing was about, which is kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. But we spent way too much time on that, and I apologize. Let's talk about characters. Sure. Jenny. Yeah, you're playing a cool character.
1: I am. I I don't have a name for him yet. Yeah,
2: who um, needs
1: names? Should Should I start with like how I came up with the character? Yeah, or start sh- from the beginning. Sure. This sounds yeah, because
2: I don't even have this story yet. I don't think so. Okay,
1: cool. So there's this aesthetic that I really, really like, and I know it's a garbage person aesthetic. I know that. I know it looks stupid, but I love it so much. You know those stupid, useless, tiny circle. Uh, sunglasses.
0: Yeah. Like the anime ones that are smaller than eyeballs.
1: Yes. I love them so much. I want a pair for myself. So let's start with those. I love those sunglasses and they are on. And I'm going to
0: interrupt you real quickly because I want to point out that character creation for what will hopefully be a long running game can in fact start with made up terrible sunglasses. Anything (laughs) can be an inspiration for your characters. (laughs) Please go have fun with it.
1: Yes. Um, so I I love these stupid sunglasses and they happen to show up on two anime characters. Um, that I love the aesthetics of. Uh, one is uh, Leorio from uh, Hunter x Hunter, which, by the way, I no longer watch. I stopped at the video game section where everybody else stops. I don't know what happens after that. Anyway, and the other character is a slimy scumbag of the underworld from My Hero Academia. He's the the black market dude. I don't know if he has a name, but he has a gap between his teeth. So So that's the sort of aesthetic I started out with. I was like, wow, I want to play a character that looks like that in a totally non-visual medium that I'm... I mean, there's no miniature for this. Like, I, I'm never going to get a mini of a character that has those stupid circle sunglasses. Get you a but, tiny um, Funko Pop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
2: tiniest.
1: The tiniest. So so then I started thinking, like, what kind of jerk wears sunglasses like that? And I was like, well... Excuse me. Um, there's a cat hair up my nose. <laughs> That's stand-in. <laughs> the magic of uh-huh. not editing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Anyway, so what kind of person... Like, a slimy scumbag wears those. Um, Not that Leorio is a slimy scumbag, but he's a jerk with a heart of gold, which is another of my favorite tropes. So, uh, I then saw a bunch of threads on the big uh, D&D 5e Facebook group about, like, how does your D&D group deal with drow? Or how do you as as a DM deal with drow? And I was like... Oh my goodness, it's going to be a bunch of people defending Drizzt. I'm not up for that. And then I saw yeah. people being like, so so like the whole light sensitivity thing. I really like parasols and sunglasses for that. And I was like, "Oh. Oh. I I oh, it's I have a conversation <laughs> instead." Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I then sort of got this idea in my head of like a a drow who wears those stupid sunglasses, and I was like, "I like this a lot." And then Grant mentioned Eberron and that he wanted like a private investigation firm. And I was like, oh, slimy scumbags. Who's the slimiest scumbag that I can think of that would be in this setting? And I was like, so I got this drow idea and there's this private investigative firm. What would fit with the slime in a private investigative group? The lawyer who knows all the loopholes, the loopholer. And so that's basically my character. My character is a... Drow with the stupid sunglasses, who finds all of the legal loopholes for people whose business interests are both legitimate and illegitimate. And and that's my very basic idea for uh, I've been calling him my dude or, or the dude. I, I still don't have a name for oh,
0: it. names are so hard.
1: Oh, they are. Well, uh, I doesn't know. I, I have an easier time. saw me go
2: through like the whole name ordeal for days, plural, with mine. So yeah,
1: for me though, it's usually a little shorter because I've got behind the name, and then I go with like a defining characteristic of the character. But nobody names their kids something that means slimy scumbag lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I'm gonna go with that for with that one uh that's when you Um, hit the
0: uh random phonetic generator and just like all right sure whatever
1: yeah i I could also go the chad route and just like look at an object in the room and then mess up the letters a bit and see if it works but i i like to go a little bit deeper than that with naming
0: no i'm with you there
1: yeah i did i did roll up the stats a few minutes before we started recording yeah Uh, they are very good excellent um my lowest stat is an 11, and my highest is a 16. I've got two 14s and a 15, and two 15s.
0: Okay, so nothing absolutely stupendous, but no. a lot on the better end.
1: Yeah. Okay. I have rolled so much worse before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I was rolling up my, my character for Peter's game, there was one roll where I didn't get a roll above a 12, <laughs> and most yeah, of it was, was sevens. Like, and I was like, throw that no. out.
2: <laughs> Throw that out immediately. Walk over to the garbage can and throw yeah. that away. No, I,
0: I yeah. always set a minimum of like, you need to have this many. You know, total yeah. bonuses or points or whatever in order to to keep it. But I do mm-hmm. enjoy rolling characters a little more than point boys. So I... Yeah. Yeah. And it's a yeah. fun game. It's not like we're trying to optimize and fight for loot or no. whatever. Who cares? Yeah. So...
2: I actually... I I think I literally rolled the best character stats I have ever rolled for any character in my life with yeah. this one. They were crazy. Yeah. To, the, to the point where I was originally thinking of something single classed and it made me rethink that. It was like... <laughs> Oh, wow. I have so many good stats that, well... This would, yeah. You know, I'm not going to get a better opportunity to try something multi-class. Let's go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Before I start talking, though, Jenny, do you have anything else that you really want to cover with yours, or can I get uh, into mine, or do we even have time I do, for that? Or? I do have
1: one more thing. Uh, Grant pointed out a specific class to uh, like. Um. Oh no. What's the, is this specialization? Is that the name for
0: it? It's the archetype inside the archetype, rogue yeah. character class, the inquisitive.
1: Yeah, I love it. And it's going to be so good. Instead of being stealthy, it's like I sneak attack you by just outsmarting you and being up in your grill. And uh, oh, and also I can I can see you it, like this is like what Santa would be like. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows <laughs> if you've been bad or good. It's
0: going <laughs> to punch you in the face. It's,
1: I was I yeah. was thinking like. <laughs>
2: Sherlock Holmes, but the the Santa Claus thing is surprisingly appropriate. Yes.
0: Well, the thing is, it's more like Robert Downey Jr. as Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yeah, right, very, very much. But like, I, it's really Santa though. Santa's a rogue. We we can all I think agree this on is that. Common yes? knowledge, really. Yeah. yeah, Santa's a rogue. He's a yeah. He's
2: a neutral, good human rogue with immortality. I think would probably be the best way yeah. of modeling him. Yeah, yeah. B&B. Well, I mean, no, he's obviously an outsider at this point. Yeah, yeah, he's probably a <laughs> celestial at this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he hit 20th level and got the outsider subtype and it's it's fine. Yeah. Uh, old three, five jokes. But um, <laughs> half our audience will get. Yeah. The other thing about your character is we actually kind of kicked off a conversation, like this whole conversation yeah. we kicked off, really talking about light sensitivity.
1: Yeah. And those stupid sunglasses. So essentially, right. uh, initially, okay. when you and I were talking. Hold on, uh, real, real, real quick.
0: For those who yeah, don't yeah. know. Drow are evil elves who live underground in kind of your default D and D game, and in Eberron, most of them don't live underground, but they do. Most of them aren't evil either. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, they can be evil, but it's not a sort of hunter, vicious evil. They're like, yeah, we're insular and don't like outsiders and keep to ourselves. Yeah, incredibly
1: xenophobic. Yeah,
0: kind of like
2: they're not nice, but but they're they're not like. Yeah, intentionally being as horrific as possible, which is yeah. the D&D default. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm. Alcova looks like a nice place compared to Menzo Baranzen. Right. And yeah. there
0: are no racial stereotypes in a lot of ways. They tend to be cultural Mm-hmm. and they tend to be national. Yeah. Um there are racial cultures in a couple of cases, but the traits of those people tend to be defined as this is the culture that was created through, you know, social political changes rather than we're wood elves and thus we all love the forest because that's what we're born as. No, who cares. So yeah, drow are light sensitive as part of being underground and in this case they're not but we kind of wanted to stick with that for various reasons because it's a cool drawback.
1: Yeah. And I'm also thinking of making like I, I still haven't decided which group of, of Drow that my dude is gonna be from, but sure. like I am still like mulling over the idea of him being from the underground one. So
0: And that's fine. And so Sharn being this massive city of towers, basically, you know, fantasy Manhattan, only the top part gets light and then the middle part kind of gets indirect light at best. Mm -hmm. And then down at the bottom, everything's just torches and lanterns because no natural light gets to filter down there. So guess where the drow
2: probably hangs out a lot?
1: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Lower and middle levels of Sharn. Yep. Which fits really well with the person who knows all the legal loopholes because they're a scumbag Uh lawyer. Exactly. The
1: seedy, almost literal underbelly (laughs) kind of thing. exactly.
0: And, you know, inside a lot like in mm-hmm. a law office or whatever mm-hmm. and the nice thing about fifth edition is if you're playing a drow it's not like you burn in sunlight or anything crazy no. it's just yeah you have disadvantage on attacks and perception checks because the sun's real bright yo
1: yeah yeah your your eyes are like ow <laughs> yeah so this also sort of started off from a little bit from the the sunglasses as yeah, well because because exactly. like, because cause Grant and I were talking, and we eventually did come around to the topic of, of light sensitivity. And I was like, so, like, I'm not going to burn in the sun. And Grant was like, no. And I was like, good. Uh, but I did want there to be at least visual light sensitivity. And we accidentally made um, Daredevil. We
0: really
2: <laughs> yeah. did.
1: Yep. Initially, initially, Grant and I were talking about Riddick, but but no, uh, th- we we were talking it over with the rest of the group later, and I think it was Peter who brought it up, and mm-hmm. so it was like, so you're basically Matthew Murdoch. I was like, oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I think I might have accidentally made Daredevil. Was the exact phrase you uttered.
1: And fun fact: this is not the first time I've accidentally made a member of the Defenders in character creation. <laughs>
0: That actually I did accidentally makes accidentally
1: make I did actually acci- accidentally make uh, Luke Cage in a Mistborn game that was very short-lived. But, well, I mean, um,
0: everybody loves Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, but
1: I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> I didn't mean to. This is the, the second time unintentionally. If you're going
2: to unintentionally make a character, I feel like you chose wisely.
1: I love Luke Cage so much. So yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah.
2: Good choice. Yeah, Luke Cage yeah. is great. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited about
0: this character. I also think that because mm-hmm. your character is it's interesting, your character is an outsider to Sharn but also an elf. So they couldn't have been there for a long time and really settled in and in a weird way be part of Sharn and used to it much mm -hmm. more than other characters.
1: Yeah, I was actually thinking of him having been there for like at least 100 years. Sure. So like he has other connections that would obviously take a significant amount of time to make, especially if you're dealing with untrustworthy sorts who don't trust anybody in return. So yeah, I I was thinking of him being there for a long, long time. I think it's a good choice.
0: I like it. Yeah. All right, Peter, your character, also an elf.
2: Yeah. And okay, so this is the first elf I've ever played. And like Jenny, in some ways, the thing that I wound up basing mine around was this one particular object that I got fixated on, only in my case, it was a weapon. So, one of the cultures in Eberron is the Valinar Nation of Elves. They have this really neat cultural weapon that is this double-bladed scimitar with, like, a a kind of an angled section between the two blades. And, you know, you've got this very, like, agile, whirling, combat-style The stats for it are really good, but you have to spend, like... One of these things costs 100 gold. Um, It is the most expensive weapon that isn't magical in 5e, I believe. And to really get it to work, you need to spend a feat on it. So you're putting a lot of character creation eggs in this one particular razor-sharp whirling steel basket, right? And this is 5th edition,
0: Mm -hmm. which is
2: not loaded with how many feats can I get, like 3rd edition. Exactly. Like, there's... Feats are, like... They're precious and precious and few and far between
0: like. And especially that because they compete with stat increases.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You can take a feat at levels four, eight, 12, 16 and 19 if yeah. you're not playing a variant human. And that's all you get unless you're playing a fighter, in right. which case you get some more opportunities. But I am not playing a fighter. So, I, you know, I've got this I've got this weapon and it's like, OK, so I need to you know, read up on this culture and I've been kind of a fan of Eberron since it originally came out. You know, I followed the contest that it came out of. I entered the contest that it came out <laughs> of, actually. Um, obviously, I did not win. Um, I <laughs> did not make it any significant length into the contest. But, you know, I thought it was cool back then. And, you know, it was it was something I kept an eye on. So when the book came out, I, I bought it immediately. But it's been a while since I've touched any of that stuff. So I'm looking through the entry on Valinar. And my heart kind of sinks because I like playing straightforwardly virtuous characters most of the time. (laughs) And the Valinor are kind of jerks, guys. They really are. (laughs) They're they're violent, kind of for its own sake, kind of duplicitous. They're not a nice culture at all. They're, They're glory seekers without a whole sense of
0: honor in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're 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 competitive, but they'll stab you in the back as a means to win a competition. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they're kind of bloodthirsty and just they're not your typical elves at all. Also, real big on the undead. I mean, they're positive energy undead, but
2: eh. actually, no, Mm -hmm. not the Valinar. And that's the that's the thing where it becomes interesting. So the Valinar are kind of like this. And then there's the Aranol, which are big on the positive energy undead. Those are the the ones that have their own continent that, you know, we're not going to be on. And they've got the whole Undying Court thing where they have kind of their ruling council that's been around for, you know, longer than elves normally live because they do the whole positive energy undead thing. They're still, I wouldn't call them, like, great, you know, in terms (laughs) of morality, but they're certainly better than the Valinar, Mm -hmm. or at least largely they are. And so it's like, okay, you know, I, I like this and the whole, like... Death aspect thing is neat, but it's like, I really want one of those weapons. And so I'm sitting there on the weekend, reading through the original book, the Valinar descended from the Aranol, and they have this whole ancestor worship thing. And at that point, everything clicked into place in my brain. (laughs) I I have um, an unusually kind-hearted and honorable Valinar elf who because of that part of his nature has decided to focus much more on his Arenal ancestry Mm. to the point where part of the reason why he's in Sharn is his backstory is he took some real flack for this back home. People, you know, he took a long time to select kind of the ancestor that he wanted to emulate and people were hard on him for it. And that's one of the reasons why he's no longer part of that society. So I managed to stitch those elements together, and then after that, it was kind of a matter of, well, what do I want this to look like mechanically? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of playing a little bit fast and loose with the chronology, so I don't monopolize too much of this episode, and we're not here all night. But I went through a lot of different character options, because it's like, well, almost all of the characters that I've played in any edition of D&D since third edition, which was when I started have been clerics. Like, overwhelmingly. Like, I have played clerics more than all of the other classes combined. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I could do, like, a Tempest cleric with this. That would be cool. But it's like, do I really want to do just another straight-up cleric? And um, Chrissy actually remarked, you know, let's not accidentally recreate the colony party. I've been playing Lambert for the past couple of years, and so it's like, okay, well. So I started looking at some of the stuff that goes kind of with this mixed heritage of his. And it's like, well, there's the ancestor veneration thing that the Valinar do, and there's the whole Undying Court thing that the Arenal do. And then it was like, wait a second. And I went and grabbed my copy of the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, and the Undying Patron for the Warlock is recommended as a way of following a member of the Undying Court. (laughs) Perfect. There you go. Yeah, so well then. I, yeah, I've got a mix of Grave Cleric and Deathless Patron Warlock for this guy, and after looking over that, there's a lot of, especially with those crazy stats I rolled, there's a lot of mm-hmm. neat stuff you can do to kind of combine the fighting style with some of the Warlock class features and some of the Cleric class features for the Grave Domain and the spells, and it all just kind of fell into place and it was cool.
0: I like that you've managed to channel your I must create a cleric impulse into making the creepiest
2: kill everything within 10 feet of me fighter that
0: I've seen (laughs) in a while.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the thing is like that undying court connection. The other players have been like, this guy's real metal, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's he's real, real. You think the setting I've been working on is heavy metal influenced? Whoa, boy! This oh, yeah. guy's <laughs> got like all this death imagery all over his arms and tattoo form, and all of these creepy warlock spells that he can cast and everything. It's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what's nice is you're still playing him as a good character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and, like this is. Uh, not not ma ha, ha skulls evil blood skulls yeah it's just yeah no it's it, 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 i was i was specifically you know working fairly hard to not do that because I, I don't find those kinds of characters fun yeah you know i mm-hmm. i like playing characters that care about people and, you know, have some, some moral struggles and stuff because they're trying to be good. You know, I, I really got a lot out of that. I I got therapeutic value out of that by playing Lambert actually. Mm -hmm. And I, I did not want to let that go. So yeah, I definitely didn't want to do like terrifying skull dude because that wouldn't have been fun for me.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, we still have to figure out how your character is in the
2: big city. Or and Oh, why. I actually, I can tell you. Okay. I figured that out already if we want to keep going on this a little bit. Yeah, we got yeah, time. Yeah, sure. So, um, one of the other things I noticed when I was reading through the Valinar entry in the main Eberron setting book is after the war, and I think during and before it as well, they hired a lot of their people out as mercenaries through uh, House Deneath, which is a yes. dragon house that offers protective services. So I had him do a stint working as like a bodyguard for House Deneath for a while, and then some kind of quote-unquote corporate restructuring left him without a job Mm. in Sharn. That's fair. And he didn't really want to go home.
0: That's fair. You know, I wish I'd remember that because I was just looking at the section of the Sharn handbook. There's actually still a mercenary troop, uh, Valinar
2: troops, in Sharn. Yeah, and I have a feeling he probably doesn't want to have a whole lot to do with those people. <laughs> that's fair. You know, not not homicidal enmity kind of a thing, but just like, no. Yeah, you're doing I, your own I, thing. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I, the real person, am not particularly interested in going to my high school reunions. Very much like yeah. that.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, that's fair. Um, okay, well, remind me to um, go into a couple of details of like things your character knows at some point then. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. cool. Good. I like it. It's kind of interesting. Both of you are playing outsider characters who have somehow managed to root yourselves in Sharn rather than just being people who've just shown up in the city.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other thing that I I was deliberately planning to do with this guy is is somebody who has just seen a lot when you see like the whole backstory i've got written for this guy and it's only about a page so don't worry (laughs) he's gone from like places of interpersonal isolation and um being an outsider to belonging and back again a few times in his life Hmm. he has saved lives he has taken lives he's had all of this experience and so i'm wanting to play him as a a much more calm kind of person than lambert was Because he's at this point with everything that he's seen, I'm figuring he's about 300 or so, which Mm -hmm. is still youngish for an elf, but, um, you know, obviously old for a person is he's really kind of gotten the the internalized, the lesson of this too shall pass. It may pass like, you know, uh, a peaceful night of sleep. It may pass like a kidney stone, but it's going to pass. Yeah. Cool. I like it. What else have we got on this? Anything? Um I I think maybe the takeaway here is, you know, as long as you're committed to doing the work, something as simple as a a style of sunglasses or a weapon you like is absolutely valid as a starting point for a character.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll admit, like, I still sort of like when, when I was talking with Grant about where my character came from, I was still sort of like... It's sort of stupid and, and, you know, but it's this aesthetic that I really like. I'm not shy about it anymore. I, I just kind of got over myself. So, like, yeah, if you want to start off your character with, like, a, a vine you saw one day or whatever, like, just just do it. Well,
0: I want to dig into that a little bit because I think this is a good thing to wrap up with. Yeah. Characters are always going to start off feeling that way mm-hmm. because they aren't complete people yet in your head. Yeah. And it's like, I got a thing I want to do, but it feels dumb because I don't know how to do it yet. And I don't all the pieces aren't there. And it's like, I just want to get this one aesthetic out there. And that's all I got. Well, spend a little time developing it and you'll find that there's more and more there that actually works. And you can you can creatively fit some things in and then all of a sudden all the pieces fall together and you've got a complete person or at least most Mm -hmm. of a complete person and character out there. And yeah, there you go. So. I think that feeling is totally normal. I get the same way mm-hmm. with a lot of characters, mm-hmm. at least when I try and create a person as opposed to a mechanically interesting.
2: <laughs> Pilot uh, game
0: stats. Well, yeah. or like an interesting combat machine or whatever. Right. Which mm-hmm. I occasionally do because I enjoy that as well. I, like, I do like game system
2: as physics engine with its own weird exploits. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly, if you look at Nasir's build, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> I took a lot of lessons about fifth edition optimization that I did not follow with Lambert and applied all of them to Nasir. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: We need a couple of combat monsters and that's fine.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But even with Hala in your game, Peter, sometimes, you know, I started off as like, man, there's just not a lot here. All right. It's a uh, it's a monk
2: thief. Eh. That's all I got. And then (laughs) now we we have Paris Hilton with shadow magic. (laughs) And she's great. She really is. She
0: leaps 60 feet out from...
2: Oh. Was it 60? No, it wasn't 60. It was, it was like 40 feet or something. Like it was some unbelievable distance. I think long with, jump the height, distance. with the
1: height, I think it added up to 60. Yeah, it was yeah. some nonsensical
0: distance, like leaping 40 feet just horizontally cr- out yeah, into crazy a caveman. Yeah.
2: stuff. Like yeah.
0: not to reach the other side, but to try and grapple a flying wasp dude yeah. and catch him in the air. She
2: crash tackles this
0: guy out of midair. And I could have hit him. But where's yeah. the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really just wanted to grapple him and like either ride him around in the air and punch him or just tackle him and drive him 60. It was 60 feet down. That's what it was. Yeah. Send him plummeting 60 feet because my monk character Hala has slow fall. And I was like, I'm going to walk away from this 60-foot crash. I don't think this guy is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he <laughs> did not. <laughs> or,
0: and nope. <laughs> well, only because I got to punch him in the kidneys after we landed, but yes.
2: <laughs> or whatever kidney analog horrible, like hornet folk people have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The
0: venom sack or whatever,
2: but yeah. yeah. I hit him yeah. in the thorax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but,
0: you know, we go plummeting down the canyon, and it was just one of those wonderful moments. And mm-hmm. it's a great character now, right? Hull is a really fun yeah. character. I'm really enjoying this character but she started off as i kind of want to make a monk this sixth level ability is kind of cool
2: yeah right. well i mean lambert mm-hmm. started off as well i guess we need a primary spellcaster so i'm going to put this paladin idea yeah. ice all and characters it's like,
0: start off as a pair of sunglasses or whatever yeah. and it's like all right cool we're a really cool weapon or and then you build up and it's okay to have that moment of this feels dumb what am i doing yeah yeah like my wife and I, Chrissy, she's got a cool character going on as well where oh,
1: yeah.
2: oh, it's yeah. a, a yeah.
0: changeling who's basically a, a shapeshifter for those who don't know, but they can only do like minor changes to their form so that they can look like other humanoids. Yeah. But she's like, I want a character who's and had like terrible experiences in the war and fled that and retreated off to find peace with a bunch of druids and master shapeshifting because people are terrible. I want to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so she's got this believable and interesting psychology where she, you know, I don't want to say she's a furry.. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this episode.
1: <laughs> this I mean the word doomed at this point. Yeah.
0: Well, but you know, it's this whole idea of like, I don't entirely love impersonating humans what else can I be? And then like getting further and further away from that. So she's doing this whole druid shapeshifter thing, which for her, it, you know, for, for this character is not even necessarily a deep reverence for nature, but like, I want to use this power to explore shapeshifting even further, which is kind of a cool concept, but it's like, okay, I'm really going to just go hard on shapeshifting. What are my options? She and I just talked for 10 minutes and she ended up with a really interesting deep psychology on this character who is hurt, but in ways that drive plot forward rather than causing plot stoppages, which is always nice. She likes making slightly broken characters,
2: and that's always fun. Yeah. Go listen to her appearance on our episode about character backstories. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chrissy is, I don't want to say uniquely gifted at this, but she is definitely gifted at it. She's she's really got a talent for character backstories.
1: I'd say she's developed it as a skill.
2: That's the thing. It's not like this- I think it's
0: both, actually, but- a lot of it comes from, well, no, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, theater training as well and yeah, reading a lot. Sure. It is a developed skill. I think Jenny's mm-hmm. absolutely right on that. Now, does it come yeah. from like some natural creativity and, you know, natural empathy That's for what people? I was getting yeah, at. absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. turning that into characters and backstories is a skill that she has developed over time.
1: And she absolutely did not go into theater with the idea, I'm going to play D&D 5e and make the best character backstories ever if I take these classes. No, she went- That's not the purpose of that.
0: Because she knew how to sew and enjoyed costume design and likes playing with power tools. So, And by playing, Mm -hmm. I mean she builds sets or built sets in college.
2: And it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. all right, great yeah so all very valid reasons to go into that. It's a cool field to be in if you like it, so yeah mm-hmm. I mean she and I are looking at setting up an online business
0: for her to sell some sewing projects, so yeah. you know pin hmm. hint, hint dice bags. <laughs> <laughs> That's not for a while, so don't consider that a plug or anything just yet. It's more of a yeah. hey,
2: this is what's going on in our life kind of update. But I yeah, know one, one of those things where, uh, if you guys want, we can talk offline about that a little bit because Nikki's been doing that for a while. Yes, yes. So.
0: At some point, we need to plug the stuff your wife does on air, but we're at, maybe um, not yeah. at the end of an episode, um, yeah. <laughs> no. when listenership is tailed off, and most of it's not very gameable, anyway. Yeah, so that. it's anyway. She does have this, and it is a talent, That's at least the the back of it is talent, but there's real skill, as you said, Jenny, because Mm -hmm. it takes effort and she puts a lot of different sources and different perspectives and different ways of approaching things into it because she's consumed a lot of stuff and has worked hard to develop that skill, writing characters and and creating stuff.
1: Yeah, and I've got... 21 years of experience now in character creation. Yeah. So so for me, I can churn out a character, a decent character backstory in 15 minutes if I don't care about it that much. But this one is one that I care about. I actually don't have that much of a backstory for the dude. Part of it is I don't know Eberron too terribly. That's before. what I was going to say um, is yeah.
0: the Drow and Eberron are in kind of a weird place. Your character yeah. is definitely an outsider to this particular setting, which is great. There's a place yeah, for yeah. people who don't belong in the setting, in the setting, if that makes any sense. <laughs>
1: yes, um, yes, yes, yes.
0: But I will probably have to be like, okay, this part works like this, and this part works like this. And you don't have the same encyclopedic knowledge that yeah. I do because I have bought a bunch of Eberron books. I have read the Sharn book cover to cover. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many times. It's actually the best setting book I've ever read. Okay. It really cool. is just exceptionally good because Every single thing I come across is like, that just sounds fun.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like I I said once before, and I forget which episode, like every time I see something else that Keith Baker has been involved with, I get a little Mm -hmm. sad that he did something else for so many years.
1: Yeah.
0: What's crazy is um, there's a whole guide to all the different districts in Sharn and there's dozens of them because it's a big setting within a setting just about every single one is like hey so this is what's here and it's all pretty well thought out here's a couple of things that are crazy maybe in their own way mm-hmm. like i'm looking at one that's like this one stands out because really boring and it's just like an office park huh. what's a fantasy office park look like yeah it's yeah. kind of
2: weird especially the whole section devoted to animals that it mentions well and th- i mean let's let's not forget like the idea that a fantasy setting would have an office park is a little exotic in its own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just going to read a, a
0: section here. These clusters of professionals are sometimes themed by the type of service offered. For example, one floor of Kelson Tower includes a number of services devoted to animals an animal trainer, a kennel. Okay, so far, kind of normal ish fantasy, right? A mm-hmm. right. muse, a stable, and a veterinarian.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Fantasy veterinarian for pets. All right, huh. Sure. Do they specialize in, like, magical creatures? How dangerous are they willing to go?
2: Yeah, do you do you, do you yeah. come in with your, you know, your cat, and there's somebody sitting there with a griffin on a leash? <laughs> this book,
0: even more than the Eberron campaign setting book, is what made me fall in love with Eberron. Hmm. So, there you go. You know, for what was going to be a short bonus episode, this has ended up going 70 odd minutes, at least judging by the recording timestamps. I'm sure it'll edit yeah. down yeah. some, but yeah,
2: <laughs> go us.
1: We, <laughs> we, we, like can,
2: we can talk to each other for a long time. who to thunk it? Yeah. We're podcasters. Uh-huh. Weird, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been
0: a good discussion. It's good to just kind of let oh loose. Oh, my gosh.
1: Guys, I can get the small circle sunglasses for $8. <laughs> i'm sorry tell me Let's you're the do this i mean no
0: I, I i was waiting for you to say i've clicked order now <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'll think about it i, I love this look at sunglasses. the very least
0: send me a link i need to get you guys christmas presents <laughs>
1: <laughs> and link is about to be sent
0: <laughs> excellent thank you that's exciting
1: just, just to say
2: this up front Please do not get me a massive razor-sharp double-bladed scimitar for Christmas. Can I get you a death mask? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I would accept, but let's not actually get me the weapon. <laughs> do you do you have room for a war horse? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm out of ideas. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I think this is at least a silly place to wrap up, if not yeah. necessarily. The best, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Thank you for sticking around with us. We do occasionally just need to do these bonus episodes to talk about things and not have a lot mm-hmm. of structure and throw stuff out there and see what sticks. Yeah, especially we when found, we're found out in. as
2: we've talked to other podcasters that we're like mad structured, yo.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> we have uh, more I... structure than the average podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would have been even worse if we'd gone with the original thing that I was thinking of doing this recording session (laughs) because like for our uh, biblical figures bonus episodes those are actually some of the most structured things that we do even though they are bonus episodes they are highly structured
0: yeah they're more of a one person couldn't make it let's pick a very specific topic kind of episode yeah Yeah. Uh, I almost kind of want to stop making them bonus episodes uh, because (laughs) that implies a level of uh, structure that and uh, lack of research that is not true of those yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, we were going to do Esther and then... I'm sure we'll do Esther eventually, but... We
2: realized we just were not up to Esther tonight. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and now you got hashtag Eberron
0: facts. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Tiny sunglasses. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love them. I'm so happy
0: about them. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) That really is great. Let's end this here before we all end up ordering tiny sunglasses. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Folks, uh, we appreciate you being patient, listening to us. If you want to actually hear episodes of our show where we don't ramble on about nonsense and actually give some structure and theology, just go to our website, stgcast.org, and you can listen to all of our back episodes. You can, of course, find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podchaser, you name it. Uh, And if you want to support what we do, patreon.com slash saving the game. And if you want to reach out to us, tell us your own cool hashtag Eberron facts, send us links to other kinds of tiny sunglasses or, I guess, double bladed weapons <laughs> you can find us on facebook and twitter those are the the best social media places to reach us we're just saving our the game on those. channel and you can yep. join our discord uh and chat with us and yep. all of our other listeners who hang out there it's a good yep. place a lot of smart people doing their own thing uh we just yep. started up a game of the sprawl in there as well which is pretty fun mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Really nice, friendly bunch too. Yeah, it really if is. you've been yeah, listening for a while and you've never stuck your nose into the Discord, it's not like a lot of places on the internet. They're nice people yeah. in there. It's okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: We also stream on Twitch regularly uh, every Friday, and I'm probably actually going to stream character creation, like mechanical character creation, for the character that I've been talking about. Uh, uh, the Friday after this episode drops, I think. Yes. Yeah,
0: uh, because tomorrow. I am going to be streaming as well, but that'll be before this episode drops, The episode drops, and, yeah.
2: yeah. And then I'm doing a weekly Pathfinder Kingmaker stream, which runs an hour or two on Wednesdays. So you can look for that, too. And again, that's mm-hmm. twitch.tv slash stgcast.
0: Yep. And you can find links to all that on stgcast.org as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, folks, thanks for sticking with us. Have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch y'all next time. See, ya. See you later. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nyhalor.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community... Or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org.
1: God bless, do good, and happy gaming.